and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. listening to the number one source for Michigan sports, WCBN 88.3 FM Ann Arbor. If you are an undergraduate who would like to get involved with the sports department, email us at sports at wcbn.org. Good evening. Welcome to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley, and this is Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And Jim and I are both a little <laughs> burnt out from the film festival week. I actually saw a really interesting documentary about the Spanish Civil War that wasn't even part of the film festival. That was down at the Ann Arbor Public Library on Thursday night, so... It's always amazing uh, how many things are going on in this wonderful city. And it was a week in which we could sort of tune out a little bit from the noise. The noise. Well, it was a noisy week. <laughs> it was noisy. As far as the, the noise goes. Trump is all noise. No results. <clears throat> uh, you know, it's, One it's, of the noises this week, though, was hand-wringing. The oh. noise of Paul Ryan's hands ringing. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. My my plans, my beautiful plans, They're which all... were plans so unbeautiful that in the end, his own party couldn't come together to support. Yeah, well, he's, uh, you know, he's in a kind of a strange spot. He's uh, he, he was chairman of the Ways and Means Committee at one point, and a budget expert is what he is. And he was sort of elevated into this uh, rising star status by uh, Dim Mitley back in 2012. And then shanghaied into the position of speaker. Because With really not that much legislative experience. I think he's little, only, only yeah. shepherded three bills through to yeah. completion. And because he bears a striking resemblance to Eddie Munster. <laughs> he's kind of a combination of Eddie Munster, Eddie Haskell. He is. He's got my book. Wiry. Oh, I'm Mrs. Cleaver. He can be all polite and friendly yeah. and civil seeming, but really he's got a pretty narrow agenda that services a right wing elite. Well, and usually, I mean, I hate to be blunt about this, but speakers of the House are usually what are called old war horses that really know the process and uh, know the membership inside and out. And of course, because that's how you pull together uh, votes well, that's to, how to you... make things happen. What we have here is a failure to legislate. Yeah, and, and this is the problem. In other words, it's interesting that I read uh, one little factoid that was kind of interesting. It says two-thirds of the GOP House Representative, Representative Caucus has been elected since 2009. So they have a lot of amateurs uh, in the House. And this was not, by the way, just the Freedom Caucus. Nor should we uh, conclude that this is the end of health care. Uh, 
noise and reform attempts because clearly there are some problems with health care. But I like to point out that the amnesia involving the health care problems in the United States are remarkable. <laughs> um, it's not as if health care costs were under control before Obamacare or even under control dating back to the 90s when Bill Clinton attempted to deal with this. The United States has a health care cost problem, and it has a health care delivery problem. You know, it's interesting, if you listen to the Fox News Network, uh, you will be left under the impression that the Europeans, because of socialism, have this, quote-unquote, socialism, have this problem with health care. They don't. They have much longer life expectancy than we do. They have much higher doctor-to-patient ratios, if you look it up in the in the World Almanac, for instance. You know, the, the Netherlands, Germany, these, these countries have way superior health care systems to the United States because the United States is this sort of mishmash of systems that are in conflict with one another. And it is exceedingly difficult to come up with a program to cover 322 million people. Um, that's part of the problem. Uh, so some of the ideas regarding health care reform are legitimate. And it's been pointed out over and over that the Obamacare... Which is itself really not that far from what Mitt Romney exactly as governor of Massachusetts. It was based on the, on the, the concept of John Chafee, believe it or not, a Republican uh, senator from Rhode Island, that Mitt Romney, when he was governor of Massachusetts, adopted. So it's a modified version of that. And there are problems with health care in, in the United States and, and the system. Um, so some of the critics on both the left and the right are correct about that. Uh, one interesting uh, thing that I pulled out of my archive was an article uh, that goes back uh, to April 23rd of 2015, uh, almost two years ago, written by Marsha uh, Angle. I think it might be Angel. And she's reviewing a a book by Stephen Brill, who was kind of famous for, for being a media high-tech dude who uh, had to get an operation in New York City at one point, and he wrote a book about health care entitled America's Bitter Pill, Money Politics, Backroom Deals, and the Fight to Fix Our Broken Health Care System. Well, without reviewing uh, uh, that book, I did not read it, but I wanted to read a couple of paragraphs from this interesting article. She points out that when Barack Obama became president in 2009, reforming the American health system was at the top of his domestic agenda, ahead of even the banking crisis, housing foreclosures, and unemployment. And he was candid about the reason. Soaring health care costs were undermining nearly everything else. As examples, Medicare, the government program for Americans over 65, was a growing contributor to federal deficits. Businesses that offered health benefits to their workers were at a competitive disadvantage, both domestically and globally. I emphasize that word globally. Workers were afraid to leave jobs because they would lose health insurance if they did. And medical costs had become the chief cause of personal bankruptcy 
It was, in short, the American health system that was no longer supportable. That's where we were before Obamacare. And I even heard a clip of Bill Clinton over the weekend. He was talking about, he, you know, he tried to reform it in the 90s. And that, of course, was met with derision, ridicule, propaganda, disinformation, and basically a, an agenda of attacking Hillary Clinton, if you'll recall. Indeed, yeah. Well, he was talking about the problem in the 90s that uh, health care costs were uh, outstripping the rate of inflation by a factor of three. And, of course, the United States, when I say has a mishmash of systems, we have a system for our veterans that's unique. Uh, it's basically similar to the Canadian model. We have a Medicare system. We have a Medicaid system. We have an uh, employer-sponsored uh, system that's part of a, quote, fringe benefit package that companies offer in the, in the so-called capitalist system. And, of course, we have these health insurance corporations. This is the problem. Well, and then there's the uh, aspect of it where there are those who have no insurance whatsoever at right. all uh, who are ill or injured from time to time and <clears throat> require medical assistance. Yeah, and, and uh, <clears throat> I, I read a, a, an author back in uh, before Obamacare was ever passed. I don't have the title of the book on uh, the tip of my tongue. But the author's name was T.R. Reed. That name I do remember. It's a slim book. It was about his, uh, he had a shoulder problem. And he went around the globe and compared the systems and concluded that the best systems were in France, Germany, and Japan. But he pointed out that America has four health care systems, including what he called the third world system. And that's the one I'm talking about, probably. That's the yeah. one you're talking about, the uninsured. And if there were 52 million people that were uninsured before Obamacare was attempted and passed, uh, and, and that's improved the numbers by roughly 24 million, and that this proposal by Ryan, which was a mess, um, was basically going to get us back to those levels within uh, eight or nine years, this was not a realistic solution to the to the problem, and it doesn't, at the end of the day, address any of the cost problems because the cost problems, once again, are sort of a panoply of different uh, situations that exist here in the United States. You know, we have technology. One great thing about the American system is we are at the cutting edge of. Uh, innovation. New techniques and procedures, right. Renovation and research. Mm -hmm. How interesting to note, by the way, that Donald Trump is proposing massive cuts to the National Institute of Health. <laughs> you know, the research aspect right. of, of how some of this stuff gets done. Um, so we have a cost, uh, a problem that Brill identifies, and I'm quoting once again from this review from the 23rd of April 2015, he describes the two principal causes of escalating cost in our current system. First, the overuse of exorbitantly priced tests and procedures by entrepreneurial providers responding to a fee-for-service payment system that rewards overuse. And second, the existence of hundreds of private insurance companies that generate huge overhead costs through the system, much of which supports or 
counters bureaucratic efforts to avoid or minimize payments for patients' care. I should also toss in the fact that we have a litigious society. Uh, We have a lot of people in America that want to blame somebody else for their problems or pin the blame on somebody else through the legal system. So, yes, malpractice rates for doctors is a problem. All this cost is effectively, the way business operates, a cost-push system that just goes into the system. Um, Employers, of course, before uh, the Second World War, didn't provide many health care benefits, if at all. We had no health care system. We had a doctor system. We had a GOP candidate a couple years ago running for the Senate in Nevada who uh, actually claimed that uh, she wanted to return to the, quote, good old days where you could use a chicken to pay for your health care. Well, this is obviously a woman that doesn't know what the cost of a chicken is. You can buy a chicken for $5. How much health care can you get for $5? Now, that is utter cluelessness. And, of course, is is a kind of a romanticist vision or version of the events that were going on, say, in 1920, then perhaps using a chicken to pay for health care costs was an available option. And, of course, the chicken is a metaphor for whatever goods you produce or create as an individual. So I'm a marshmallow manufacturer. I've got marshmallows to trade right. for my son's medical treatment. Thank you, doctor. Will you take a Enjoy ton? Enjoy the marshmallows. Will you take a ton of marshmallows? I'll give you a lifetime supply if only you'll fix his broken leg. That sounds like a Soviet-style system. So, you know, there there is some real nonsense going on out there with this uh, version of American history that is uh, riddled with mythology. Uh, Harry Truman, of course, tried to uh, get a health care insurance system way, way back. And, of course, we know that Medicare and Medicaid were introduced in the mid-60s by uh, Lyndon Johnson under the... Uh, great society, that Medicare was an appendage, an addendum to the Social Security Act. And our country needs to ask real questions about what system we want and why we want it and what are we willing to pay for it. Well, I think a lot of the pushback at these angry town hall meetings where Republicans went back over the recess and constituents were loud and in their faces saying, Access to health care is really important. And the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, whatever you want to call it, has taken a step towards institutionalizing that concept that people have a right to access to health care. And, of course, that's hard to give that up. Well, and that's part of the fundamental dilemma that we have as as a society. We haven't answered that question Uh, We barely even ask that question. Instead, we have a kind of a uh, uh, mythology about uh, and and fantasies, almost delusions about what's really involved here. Uh, One other interesting aspect of this uh, problem, and I'll I'll just quote, paraphrase from something I distinctly remember from T.R. Reid's book about the comparative health care systems. 
Uh, the German uh, healthcare minister said, quote, we cover everybody, but we don't cover everything. Um, so indeed, healthcare is a good in service, whatever you want to call it, a commodity at the end of the day, mm-hmm. from the Marxian perspective, if you want to get technical about it, that <clears throat> there are limits. There are, for instance, uh, debates as we speak about, uh, for instance, we've, we've heard a lot about the o- opioid crisis. And uh, should we be resuscitating junkies who are getting resuscitated only to go back and OD again three weeks later? What kind of programs do we have for re- rehab and uh, rehabilitation and treatment and these, these vague health care problems that beleaguer our society in so many areas? Mental illness. There's a whole, whole, you know, Donald Trump uh, a couple of weeks ago was quoted as saying, who knew health care would be so complicated? <laughs> well, duh. Duh. Uh, I guess he didn't know. Because, of course... My doctor tells me I'm healthy. What's wrong with everybody? Yeah. He has a Big Mac in every pot uh, version of health care. Uh, you know, he's clueless. He's a goon. He's a fool. He's a ghoul. And he doesn't get it. You know, he he was uh, on the campaign trail uh, trail this past year promising the American people that he would repeal and replace Obamacare on his first day. The in first office. day. Yeah. First day. Um, it turns out he doesn't know anything about the problem. And of if, course, now he, he makes the claim that uh, I never said that. Right. I never said we'd do it in the first 64 days. Well, no, that's true. You said you do it on the first day. But. Uh, Holding him to his word is uh, is pointless. And, of course, part of the problem is is that numerous states have not participated in the uh, so-called Affordable right. Care Act. That's created some of the problems that are part of the problem. Um, what to do? Who knows? Um, but it strikes me that um, if you're going to have a patient-oriented system... Uh, that is probably in some conflict with a for-profit system. So the German system, getting back to them, and the French and the Japanese, by the way, have almost identical systems. The government pays all the bills. You go to the doctor you want to go to because all of the payments and all of the billing and all this overhead that we're using in our system to create this massive bureaucracy of insurance companies, paperwork, this, that, and the other. Right. And that's where all those jobs are. What we need to do is flip it somehow so that there are more jobs in the actual services provided department so that there's a better doctor-patient radio, there's a better rehab to recipient ratio. That's where we need to build jobs in the system, not in this administrative nonsense, which is like, giving your money to a charity you see an ad for on TV and 70% of your donation goes to their administrative costs. That's the healthcare system. And of course, look at it. We'll look at other perversities and we'll just use another example because Jim and I are both uh, big fans of non-commercial radio. Hmm. Uh, non-profit entities like uh, the Ann Arbor Film Festival. Uh, we have advertising on television and 
presumably now on the Internet, though I don't bother too much with that anymore. Never did, probably never will. Why get addicted to more junk? The pharmaceutical companies advertise constantly about drugs that you can buy to solve your problems, brother. With cute little cartoons and all those bizarre warnings about the potential side effects, some of which might be death. You are a sinner, and Jesus is here. He will cover your health care costs. Just send money to our company, and you can get this magic potion, some snake oil that you can tap on your forehead. I will anoint you. It's crazy. So these advertising expenses, the marketing budgets of our pharmaceutical corporations, who of course were involved in writing the health care bill, uh, one of its deficiencies, that's another additional problem. So if you're going to get some reform going, you need to go after the health insurance corporations. People are saying, well, they're dropping out of states. Well, of course they're dropping out of states. Why do they want to cover Grandma Moses in the middle of Kansas, who is 40 miles from a, a doctor? <laughs> Does she have a, a health care program that we want to subsidize? The insurance company actuaria will look at the data and say, well, no, she's uh, 58. She's, she's overweight and blah, blah, blah. Existing conditions. Yada, Existing yada. conditions. Yeah. So the pricing mechanism for health insurance in and of itself is perverted in a certain way. But our, our society has not said that it's a right. Uh, in fact, Tom DeLay over the last weekend was quoted as saying it's a responsibility. Healthcare is a responsibility, not a right. Well, you may have a point. There's an element of that uh, that says uh, that's correct. Um, well, to the extent that you have to, that taking care of yourself is something you have to take the initiative sure, for. Exactly. And you can reform, for instance, a lot of uh, government programs that create healthcare problems in America. Uh, we have a numerous. Ad- preventable diseases that are factually subsidized by the food stamps program. You can make restrictions on what kinds of food people can buy with food stamps. Or the whole cornstarch industry. Or the whole cornstarch industry. In other words, that's a subsidy. It's an agricultural subsidy. So when you begin looking at the complexities of what you need to do to reduce costs, and I haven't heard any constructive Um, actual proposals from any of these GOP entities. It's all an attack against Obama and Obamacare. There aren't any real solutions in the bill. And we don't need to dissect uh, Paul Ryan's legislation because it was, to quote Donald Trump, a pile of garbage. (laughs) Junk. I mean, (laughs) what, what... it, it had all these contradictions. However, I will give Paul Ryan credit on one thing. He is absolutely correct about the uh, impending long-term crisis related to uh, the budget and health care. In case it, Donald Trump hasn't looked at these numbers, and I doubt he has because he doesn't look at much of anything except Fox News. news. And the cover of Time magazine, which oh, and- he's keeping count of. The new one. He watches the Golf Channel. He watches the Golf Channel while sitting around in the clubhouse 
combing his hair. Um, Paul Ryan is correct about one long-term problem, and that is the aging of our society. Um, the Medicare system is funded very differently from the Medicaid system. But facts are facts. When older people have to go into the nursing home for end-of-life care, which can last, in some cases, over a decade, that system is paid for by Medicaid, folks. And these realities, this inability to confront reality and look at the complexities of all of this, is simply not being addressed by responsible people. And why would I say no, no responsible people? Because Congress is not run by responsible people for the most part. It's run by demagogues and fools who are beholden to big corporate money interests. That's part of the problem. There are genuine reformers and idealists that exist in our government. I'm not being a knee-jerk critic of, of the government. But we have a lot of foolishness and disinformation and just outright tomfoolery about this health care problem. And unfortunately, Donald Trump has not contributed any light or wisdom to the problem. What, what did he do last week? Arm twisting. Arm twisting, shouting, stomping around, threatening congressmen. Get in line. Threatening congressmen. I mean, he actually yeah. said, better get in line yeah. or I'm coming after you. And a couple of them okay. said to him probably, and they probably didn't even say it to him because he's such an idiot, he might have shot him in the... That would be great. Get Trump to shoot a congressman in the White House. <laughs> I hope the Secret Service lets him carry a gun. <laughs> That's one way we might get rid of him. <laughs> he will have a temper tantrum at some point. Maybe Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions will see to it that he can keep himself well armed under the Second Amendment. Um, yeah, stomping around. And it, did it occur to Donald Trump that a lot of these congressmen, the, particularly in the House, because this was a, a fiasco in the House, never mind that this wouldn't have even gotten through the right. Senate. That's that's another sideshow. But these people have to face re-election, and unfortunately, <laughs> you know, a little bit twenty months we might like yeah. twenty months. They're already fundraising. They don't care about Donald Trump's. Uh, 37% approval ratings. 36, actually. Yeah. It went down he's, over the weekend. You know, he's in the... Point by point. He's in the 3 eighths fraction territory already, um, with no sign of recovery. Well, especially when you consider, as you mentioned, that there's a lot of Republicans who are running for re-election, 2018, who are basically from blue states, and these tend to be more moderate Republicans anyway, and with a party that has that situation, as well as this so-called Freedom Caucus, which is really just a teabag caucus. Right. I mean, that Freedom Caucus, that's kind the of freedom a ridiculous of, name. The Freedom from Thinking Caucus yeah, is the, what I call them. Uh, the Ideology Over Reality Caucus. Um, that renders that party completely dysfunctional, and they're set up to fail on their next big project. Yeah. Right from the beginning. Which is, I guess, going to be tax reform. Uh, you know, the idea that infrastructure might be something that you could actually get some Democratic support for. Why they didn't lead with that, I don't know. Well, because Bannon has a plan and 
Trump's just flying blind. But uh, if the tax reform program is next, get ready for more of the same. Sure. And, of course, Trump's infrastructure program, quite frankly, seems to consist of building a wall uh, on the Texas side of the Mexican-American border. Uh, I, the, you know, the tax for, reform idea is more nonsense. Let's remember that there was one issue the Republicans were very unified on. That was the Iraq War. They've, they voted overwhelmingly for the Iraq War in, in 2002 uh, at the urging of Karl Rove. Uh, has that been paid for yet? Mm. I don't think so. Have we paid for the Cold War yet? Uh, no. So a lot of these debates about the deficit, the growing deficit, the, the total government debt and all that, that's all sort of generally accepted accounting principles. So if we want to try Reaganomics for a third time in th basically 30 years, uh, I guess I will have to rudely paraphrase Oliver Wendell Holmes. Three imbeciles in one generation are enough. <laughs> oh, indeed. Well, uh, of course, the uh, vote on <clears throat> the uh, potential appointment of Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court has been postponed till next Monday, I guess. So we'll have something to say about that next week. But uh, what a tender, emotional moment where he got all emotional. I love my wife so much. Uh, what a bizarre demonstration of stagecraft yeah well it was uh touching but <laughs> it, mawkish it, is the word i'd use be a professional dude we all love our wives okay it, yeah and, and it humanizes that that doesn't make you a better guy it humanizes to do that yeah well it humanizes them after all these uh instances of them showing Voting against autistic children and stuff yeah that he's sort of a character out of uh you know the jurisprudence theory of mr bumblechuck Anyway, we're out of time. That's a Dickens character. Yeah. Uh, we'd like to thank the uh, <clears throat> DJ who cannot be named for engineering once again this evening. Do stay tuned for Yazoo City Calling, presumably with Jerry Mack. By the way, Jerry, what a great Chuck Berry tribute Saturday. Uh, I heard a good chunk of that. That was wonderful. WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, the only station in America that can deliver this kind of brilliance. Alan Ginsberg. I was searching for an answer when I reached out and found Narcotics Anonymous. CBN, FM, Ann Arbor, your Dharmic free speech station. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood? Or an earthquake is destroying buildings? Or is the best time, perhaps, today? During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. Go to michigan.gov slash ready and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by the Michigan State Police, FEMA, and the Ad Council. We'll take a trip through space, the first of Mars. We'll take a trip through space, the first of Mars.
Every Thursday from 9 a.m. until noon, we travel the spaceways from planet to planet on interplanetary music. A three-hour freeform radio presentation inspired by the music and wisdom of 